make it through a Degrassi viewing podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm your neophyte, Frank. <laughs> Today we're taking a look at Degrassi The Next Generation Season 5, Episodes 7 and 8, Turned Out. So before we get to this, I know, Frank, you have many, many emotions in this one. I need this hate out of my body. <laughs> yes. Before we get too far into it, there are some um, content warnings on this one. We are going to be talking about teen pregnancy. There's a brief mention of abortion. Um, there's also a lot of description of prescription drugs and dealing of them illegally, um, as well as overdose and discussions of suicidality. Uh, so, as always, check the description, see what the minute marks are on them, and if you need to take a break or need to sit out on the episode, that is totally okay, because there is a lot happening in this episode. Um, and it, it's fucking rough. Yeah, like, this one has a lot of bad things in it, like Jay, <laughs> um, and Jay... And Snake, and a lot of white men. Um, shall we? Yeah, let's just do it. We're gonna just go through both episodes in the order of the scenes that happen, because it's one of those two-part episodes where the B-plot shifts between the two episodes, so it's way easier to just kind of go through all of it, because um, I feel like that's just the best way to handle it. Yeah. So let's just go. Okay, so we start... In Miss Sylvie's um, counselor's office room, mm-hmm. and she is just like, I, I always wonder. Miss Sylvie is just like, oh, I wonder what new fresh horror this day is going to bring me. <laughs> it has to be if you are hired in the same school district that Degrassi is in. Like, I feel like there is a resignation that has to have happened because, like, there's she isn't as um. I feel like when she was talking to Paige, especially when we've seen her, like there was a warmth to her. There was a presence to her. In this one, she's like, fuck, man, I don't know. You're six months pregnant. I mean, adoption? Do you want me to call them or not? Like, she just seems very tired. To be fair, I feel like as an adult, it you know, you're presented. This is an issue that you're presented with, and it's just like you feel... You feel for them, but there's also this wave of exhaustion of just like, motherfucker. There, there's this thing I do when I'm just so exasperated where I keep my mouth closed and I just let out a long exhalation of breath from my nose. And I would be doing that constantly at Degrassi, just like, okay. <laughs> I just like curl up in on myself and like, I just press my hands against the sides of my head and I'm just like, okay. <laughs> and I feel like that's kind of the energy that Sauvé is giving in this moment. Um, mostly because she is trying to just be like, look, like, the big thing right now is the health of, of, they say the baby, we'll just say the fetus, um, where she's like, you know, we gotta know what's going on there because it's been six months and you haven't had any medical attention regarding it. Um, and, you know, she says, like, it's too late for an abortion, I assume, and get affirmation from Liberty that she has no interest in, in getting one. Um, and then Sophie's like, I mean, you know, how about talking to your parents about it? Liberty is very adamant about not having her parents know. Um, and Sophie is like, I mean, I can call an adoption agency, and JT just kind of dogpiles toward that option. <laughs> um... He's like, absolutely, yes, yes, yes. Because that's 
that one makes sense, the most sense. Well, the thing is, is like he's like absolutely, and Liberty is like, you know, we broke up, and JT points out like, look, if you have the kid, like I, you know, if if the kid, if you ha- go through with this pregnancy, I'm in your life. Yeah. Which is a very good point in this context. Yeah, I mean, he's doing the responsible thing. Right. Like, <laughs> and then he sits back, he's like, I wonder if anybody will ever make a Academy Award-nominated movie about all this, starring another Canadian. Huh, I wonder. I don't know what movie that's in reference. Do you know? Oh, yes. I forgot that, that one for screenplay, right? I believe so. Okay. But, yeah, so that is happening. They're having, like, they are having a fight about this right in front of Sove. And Sove is just like, look, am I calling the adoption agency or not? Because, like, <laughs> I, got, I got stuff to do. I can only see you guys for, like, 30 minutes at a time. Like, I got a fucking line already. So, so what's going on here? Well, she just says, sounds like you have a problem. Right. And credits. But it's just, like, so tepid. You know what I mean? For, like, Sauve, who's, like, been willing to bat for kids before. It's like, she sees this, and she's like, fuck it, this is it. This is it. This is when I, I put in my resignation. I can't do this anymore. It's over. It's done with. Um, so cut to, like, what is the most non-sequitur jump cut of all, which is JT is just on a show doing crafts with children. Yeah, so, like, he, it's really cute, honestly. He's, like, going through some arts and crafts projects with these two kids. They're making tiaras. Um, it gives the, it's a very, very cute little moment, and then Toby just kind of materializes. And this whole scene is very odd, because it's like, he's like, hey, we're supposed to be seeing Clown Academy, remember? Um, and JT's like, oh, I'm sorry, I actually have my other job happening later today, I'm really, you know, I'm so sorry about this, but, like, I'm gonna have to reschedule. Um, and Toby makes this, like, kind of crass comment about how it was like, well, you got two jobs, you got a girl pregnant, you, like, I got, you, you know, like, oh, you're just so fucking busy, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, it's called becoming an adult, Toby, go back to playing with your little race car thing. <laughs> Well, he cuts to Toby, like, <laughs> like playing with it again. He's like, you're my only friend, Canyon Runner. <laughs> but it's like, it's one of those moments where it's like, yeah, that is the situation, Toby. You are correct. You are pointing out exactly what the situation is. I had a job when I was a teenager, and most of my friends didn't have jobs. And they'd be like, you're always so busy. I'm like, yeah, because I don't get free money. <laughs> it's like... I turned 15. My dad's like, guess what? You're going to have $5 every two weeks. Or you can just get a job. I'm like, I think I'll take the job. It's it's actually very it's actually a very real experience that while while you know, it, it, not every kid has gone through what JT is going through. There definitely is something to be said about this age group because there are kids who are dealing with real shit and like very real situations, and then there's other kids who are just still very young and don't have as many responsibilities yet. So I, I actually do like that they're having this tension. Because I think Toby is very much the type of kid who probably never really has to have a job. You know, his job is school. You know, like, you know, like, it, Mama Kerwin and his dad and his and his mom will all give him money if he needs it. And if not, he'll talk to the other parent and get money. It just reminds me of, like, playing Persona 4 and being like, alright, this is what it was like to be busy and have a job and be happy in high school. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, so, like, he's just, 
doing, you know, he's just very like, oh, whatever. Oh, I guess you don't have time for me. Um, and then they kind of talk more about the topic of like the adoption or the potential adoption. And JT is like, you know, it's the option that makes the most sense. Yeah, but and he's Toby is skeptical that Liberty would go for it. Mm-hmm. And then it's time for JT to do take two. Um, and he says, time to make myself look like a complete dink again. Right. And, like, we looked it up. Like, JT should not be complaining, because Steve Burns of Blue's Clues theme is net worth around 10 mil these days. Well, my thing is, like, it's very confusing also because I feel like he wanted to be an actor, right? That That's, like, one of his big, long-standing goals is that he is passionate about performance. Yeah. And he is getting a performance gig. And it's a bit confusing to me because I, as a viewer when I was younger, I didn't remember him ha- sounding so resentful for toward the gig. Like, he seemed to, like, it, it, it was, like, kind of weird to me how, um, how it's, it's in this weird middle ground of perception where I can't quite tell if we're supposed to read it as, like, JT seeing this as just, like, a, a point in his career, hopefully, or what. I don't know. But, like, it's a sweet gig. I would love to, to like, have had that type of opportunity if I was interested in performance, like, he, at all. He, he's learning camera. Like, right. And, like, how to do a, what constitutes a good take. Like, I don't know what the fuck the problem is. Right. He's going through it, and this is why. He, he, he is, like, just going through everything. Anyway, cut to the three lamers. I mean, uh, Craig, Manny, and Emma. Right. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. So, Manny and Craig are, like, making out, and Emma walks in on them. Um, and Manny and Craig reveal, like, <laughs> honestly, they kind of crack me up. Um, they reveal that they are planning on going to a show, um, and Emma's like, well, I thought Manny and I were going to be studying, and then they kind of, like, stumble through, like, oh, we could definitely have you come, like, it's fine, it's fine, it's cool, it's cool, and, and Emma's like, okay, I think you're forgetting the fact that, like, I would be a third wheel, and that would be really terrible for me, um, but, um, it's like a very real situation i think when your really good friend gets into a relationship and it's still very new yeah and you haven't quite figured out the dynamic yet because i think i think that like i have been in situations where i've hung out with my friends partners and it's been totally cool and i was able to develop like individual relationships with them but like i do understand when the relationship initially happens there's a couple hangouts where you're kind of the third wheel yeah and there's just you just gotta fit in but you haven't quite figured it out yet and that's just the way it is yeah, um, so then we cut back to, uh, JT, um, politely dissociating, staring at divers. Yeah, um, and Jay walks up, um, and is just like, oh, I'm looking for glitter glue, like, oh, you've inspired me, I'm just... I'm getting to the point with Jay where I'm just like, Jay, what the fuck do you do all day? Right, because he's, like, talking about how he has watched jt on that show and it's extra confusing because it's like it's not like when you're in high school and you come home early enough that you turn on pbs and you catch arthur because you watched arthur as a kid and you like arthur and you don't necessarily want to say it at 15 but hey like we've all been there we all have something that we still really enjoyed even though we were digimon right like we all had something that was technically not targeted toward our teenage selves but we loved it nonetheless but no this is watching someone that you know play arts and crafts with two children and you are a i don't know how old man 
I'm going to say 17, 18. 17, 18, maybe 19. But, like, the thing is with Jay... I'm probably 19. I'm sure Jay got held back a few times. But the thing is with Jay, like, he reminds me of how, like, John Mulaney has a whole... Has several segments about Law and Order, which generally, for me, only comes on during the day. Yep. So you can tell, like, oh, right, he doesn't have to work for a living. Right. Which <laughs> is odd. What? Like, that he doesn't have to work for a living. Jay? Yeah. Well, I'm sure he's... He, the way he works is in what we see in this episode. Right, right. He works in the night. Yes. In the shadows. But, um... Yeah, so he's, like, making these comments about how he's seen him there and that he also notices that JT has to have a lot of jobs because he sees him at the drugstore, he sees him on TV, um, and that if he needs any help, he can give him gigs. And I understand this is, like, their way of trying to, like, get this plot in, but it's still very weird. Especially in the case of, like, it's just weird. Like, I'm not even going to analyze it. It's weird as a viewer. Like, I understand what they're trying to do, but it's still, like, I feel like there was another way to launch off this point. But what do I know? Yeah. Um, but I do I do admire how much Jay was able to steal just by walking into the pharmacy. Oh, that was funny. I also love that JT's like, come on, cough it up. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. And Jay's like, oh, okay. <laughs> So, uh, cut back to Degrassi. Um, that people are signing up for extracurricular, like... Uh, like a petition. I think they're doing like one of those walkathon type things for cancer. Yeah. Um, at least Paige is running it and they have to sign up. And then it's it's one of those, I forget what they're, Relay for Life, I'm thinking. Yeah. I think it's like one of those. Um, Emma signs up uh, and she, uh, and like Peter approaches. Oh, because Emma says jazz combo are raising money for cancer research. Yeah, because there's like jazz music playing. I think there's like a jazz band stand next to it yeah and it's very unclear Paige apparently hates cancer and jazz yes <laughs> fair enough i guess i'm now with a subtitle for this episode yep yep Paige hates cancer and jazz yep but um so emma is signing in she's like all huffy because peter approaches and peter's like oh well look at me i'm not a bad guy i signed i was the first person to sign up yeah. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that, like, you know, sexually harassing women and uh, being against cancer, like, they canceled each other out? Like, what the fuck? Um, and Emma is, like, mad at him, and then he claims that he's fine because he's quote-unquote unarmed because his mom took away his camera. And that is when I almost saw Red because I am so fucking tired of characters like this. Taking zero accountability for the bullshit that they've done. Yep. Because that's the thing. It's like, deep in my heart of hearts, I need to, I, I, because of my field, really, have to believe that teenagers can get better. Yeah. I can't, on like a structural, fundamental level, because of my field of, of choice and me being in youth development, I have to believe that the kids that I work with can get better and that there is no such thing as a bad kid. Right? Okay. Theoretically. But, for me, Peter drives me up a wall because he's not taking any accountability. He got his toy taken away, and he's blaming the toy on it. As opposed to, like, the fact that he fucked up. He, he committed assault. He did. Like... He did. He, he did a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. 
And he distributed this horrible, horrible, horrible thing. <laughs> and has wrecked this girl's life again. Yeah. It's just, like, it's just... Uh, like, I'm just so sick of, But I'm also, like, on a whole, I'm sick of this show just being like, we can forgive these dudes. Right. Like, the, the show just keeps thinking, like, the show will not give this... Like, will not give it the... The weight it deserves. Right. To the point where they're like, oh, like, yeah, no, like... This show doesn't... I don't feel like the show understands, like... The gravity of the situation? The the gravity or how, like, other women would look at this. Right. Because, like... You know, they're, like... There's this, I think I've, I've discussed this before, or like maybe on my other podcast, I don't know. But like, you know, there's the point where you can see when a woman is written by a man. Yes. And like, this is it. Like, I love this game. Yeah, it's just like, you know, it's like when one in the horror movie, when like a guy is flashing his high beams at a woman and she's like, I'm going to walk over there and see what his problem is. And she goes stomping over there and like any other woman, like a real woman would be like, all right, girls, it's time to fucking run and call mm-hmm. the cops while we're running. Like, like, like he, like the only way in in the real world, Peter is getting a date is if he finds people that weren't like friends with his victims and who haven't heard from the sources they find reliable about what he did. Right. And the show just completely ignores that. Right. It's it's one of those things where. Even if he gave, like, I just, I just want to see this kid take an ounce of accountability. I'm not even asking him to, like, be, like, a perfect thing. But, like, at least something where he goes, no, you're right. I did fuck someone's life up. Yeah. You're right. I mean, I think that's also what, I'm, I'm sorry to bring this up, but, like, I yeah. think that's what makes Dean such a perfect monster in this show. Yes. Because he was very clearly kind of shopping outside of his school. He was unrepentant. Yeah, he was unrepentant, and it was like he was much more realistic because it's just like he's not, like he's not going to a place where he probably has a reputation. I will say I don't think Peter's unrealistic though. I do think teenage boys, I do think men in general, really don't think like they believe they are so in the right or they are so innocent. Yeah, that they will pull this shit. Oh no, I I feel like Peter's complete. Like I'm not. Faulting Peter for, like, unrealistic. Like, mm-hmm. I think he's a very clear, that is a white man. Yes. <laughs> like, that is that a white, is a white, white man. straight man. Right. <laughs> like, uh, he's, he's the guy who later in life, when you mention you like cats, he'll say, I hate cats. And you're like, oh, you're one of those assholes. Right, right. It's, I don't know, he's awful. But, but yeah, no, it just, like, it, it, it really sours me to him because it's, like, not saying that, you know, and that's the thing also, it's, like, he could take accountability and Manny does not have to forgive him, right? Like, that's also, I think, a really important concept we don't see enough in, as a model in media. We don't see enough of a character doing accountability and the person who has gone through it still going, I understand, good for you but that doesn't mean I'm over this, and it doesn't mean I'm over what you did. Yeah, we also don't see it in real life, like, ever. Right, we Uh, don't see it in real life, really. I mean, Aziz 
I'm sorry, like, an article came out about, like, that showcased him as being pretty terrible. Mm -hmm. And in his latest stand-up, I haven't watched it, but my sister watched it. Mm -hmm. And she said, like, he brings that up, and he talks about it, and he's just like, I've had to do a lot of, like, soul-searching and, like, work on myself to get, like, make sure I'm not that guy anymore. And he took accountability. He's like, I was not great. Mm -hmm. And, like, and he's putting it in a public forum. Yeah. So... So that you can go back, I mean... I mean, I think yeah. that's a complicated topic that honestly yeah. this is not the point of this podcast episode. I'm sure it's another thing that can come up, though. It's like, do people who have done bad things deserve the public platform in the first place? Yeah. And that's a topic that is, I think, it, it gets very heated very easily. I have yeah. been in that conversation <laughs> with people, and it got heated yeah um so let's well we'll we'll table that for now but really but i think and i think it will come up again with peter especially because like he's apparently a thing now he's a thing he's a character so we'll we'll table that for another time but um yeah he's just he's very much like he puts all the blame on the camera and not on his own actions um and also says like We'll talk more about what he says later on in the episode. Anyway, so Emma is trying to be huffy about... But that's the thing. Like, she comes off very huffy. It, heterosexuality is a disease, and this is all this ep- these two episodes have taught me. <laughs> I mean, like, the thing is, just, like, Peter's terrible, but Emma's also terrible. Right, right. But let's, we'll get into just how terrible later on. Let's keep it pushing. Right. So we go to... Back to the A-plot... Um, we're in, like, the hallway. JT is really tired because apparently his grandmother decided to do vacuuming at 6 a.m. Yeah. Um, you know, normal retirement habits. Um, and he approaches Liberty and passes along some... <laughs> Time for another loud discussion about the secret pregnancy. Right? He's like, hey, Liberty, here's some ginger tea. It's for your morning sickness. <laughs> oh, no. I said the loud thing quietly, quietly loud. <laughs> Um, and, you know, she, in like, you know, he, he's like, hey, here's this thing for your, uh, morning sickness. Anyway, having a baby is, like, really illogical. <laughs> Have you thought about that? <laughs> and, damn it. It's like, and, and like, you know, they, they have, like, a disagreement about this, but it eventually dilutes to them kind of finding a common ground and her inviting him to her ultrasound, which I'm curious about. I guess it depends. I don't really remember how Canadian law works with this type of stuff. Like, you can go to a doctor without. I mean, it's so. It seems insane to me. I I think this is. I think this is a bit of. Um, I think this is a bit of plot shenanigans. I actually don't remember. I'm not. I'm not dismissing it either way because mm. I legitimately don't remember how the policies really work with this type of stuff. All right. So let's just. Like I said, let's just keep it pushing if we can't. Well, I think it's one of those things where it's like, you can go, but it would end up, if you go through insurance, it would be, at least in the U.S., it would be, like, on the record, and then it would kind of be on your parents to be like, hey, what's this about? Yeah. I think that that is how it is, but I don't know how Canadian insurance type stuff works because of their uh, healthcare being different from ours. Anyway, we're going to keep pushing through. Um, so we end up in the... Um, Computer lab, we're doing a media immersion class. Snake announces that he has a video about um, a, a local celebrity. Um, and JT's like, oh my fuck, oh my fuck, oh my fuck, please don't. Um, and he puts on a video, and it's JT hopping around in a little turkey costume. This is the most endearing he's been to me in episodes. I mean, I think we also forget that he was the fry guy. Yeah. 
That, I think that's also why I'm so like, why are you so embarrassed? You were a fucking fry man. You're, you're fucking, like, Standy was in the cafeteria. Like, all over Canada. <laughs> like, why, why is this your, your thing? Because it's like, the little kids come out and they're like, oh, wow. Yeah, it was really cute. Um, but, like, so they're, like, doing, they're learning how to make, like, a big hand turkey thing. Um, and Emma and Manny are really endeared. And Liberty is also very endeared and being like, oh, like, I didn't know you, this is what you were doing. Like, why didn't you mention this? Um, and it's very sweet. <laughs> yeah, no, like, if, like, honestly, if I was a girl and I saw this dude doing this, I'd be like, Hell yeah. <laughs> it's just very sweet, and also at the end of the day, it's money. Well, apparently he's not getting paid for this. I couldn't tell if he was not getting paid much or he was getting paid nothing. I couldn't he, tell. He says at some point, it doesn't pay. That's the thing. I wasn't sure if that meant it doesn't pay as in it's free or it doesn't pay as in it doesn't pay the bills. Yeah, okay. I'm still, but it's still bonkers to me that how like he could be on TV and that still pays less than like the pharmacy. <laughs> I mean, I could... Mm, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So, anyway. um... It could also be that it's so limited, it doesn't matter. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, yeah. he pops in a couple days a week versus, like, he would get a lengthier shift if he did... We're overthinking this. Um, anyway. So, they, um... So, Sp- so Snake puts on the thing, um, and everyone thinks it's, like, really great that he's doing it. And, honestly, he was super endearing during it. Yeah, no. It's very cute. I think I think it's a super cute idea. Like I said, like, do you think kind of the subtext here is that Liberty thinks looking at this, oh, he'll be a good dad. I think so. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's why he's in that job in the first place. Yeah. I think it feeds into this perspective that they've planted firmly for Liberty concerning... Her being like, I'm going to ignore that this pregnancy is happening as soon as, as for so long then that I've almost resigned myself to the fact that the baby is happening and that I am going to take care of the baby. Yeah. Um. So we end up at the dot. Um, we have Manny and Craig being so obnoxious, being like, oh my God, you tell her. No, 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 no. Let me, let me, you know, you tell her, you tell her. Oh my God. This is a, this is in a different con. Okay. So yeah. The last time I went shopping at, like, 2 in the afternoon, a woman was telling her child to put, like, the food on the belt in front of her. I've got the same feeling like that from this. I'm just like, you are wasting my time. Get on with it. (laughs) (laughs) So, so Emma's like, what the fuck? And they're like, yeah, so we're thinking about setting you up with Derek, whom you may know from famous hits as that ableist guy toward Jimmy. Also known as that guy who eventually, I guess, was not as ableist and came around. I still don't care for Derek. I don't either, but... I mean, it's the same. I mean, we've, we discussed our issues with Derek. Yeah. So, Derek strolls in, and it's clearly a setup. He sits next to Emma, and then, like, you know, it looks like this is gonna be a way in to, for them to get to know each other, but then Peter's fucking face is pawing at the fucking window. And Emma is, of course, like, oh, my God, I must leave. Uh, it's time to act impulsively. Right. And she's like, oh, so, like, are you free Friday? Anyway, let's have a date, Derek. Bye. I'm going to go see Peter. You know, I know what annoys me about this plot is it is a less entertaining version of, like, Katie falling into the plastics with Mean Girls, where she was like, oh, my God, I hate them. Oh, my God, I hate them. Oh, my God, I actually really like them. And I like what comes with them. Yeah. 
it, it has a similar energy, but it's not nearly as entertaining or enjoyable. Yeah, because eventually Katie learns her lesson, and Emma apparently will never. It's just like... There's going to be a one hell of a hero turn. Right. It's, yeah, I, I'll talk more about it the deeper we get into it, but, um... So, that whole thing is happening. At the doctor's office. At the doc- Meanwhile, at the doctor's office, um, I'm kind of cracking up, because there's clearly a ultrasound technician doing stuff, and it's the two of them going, like, can you look at the, like, literally being like, can you look at the screen? JT's like, I don't fucking know what's going on. Um, and the two of them just, like, loudly being like, I don't know what the fuck is happening, I don't know what the fuck is happening, and the ultrasound technician being like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm apparently not paid to talk. Right, like, sorry, I didn't- <laughs> No even- money for lines. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably exactly what it is. They're like, we don't want to pay for this adult have lines. Um, Canadian sack. <laughs> and um, JT's like, I guess I'll look. And he looks at the screen. He's like, oh, it's real. Um, and then they clo- they uh, are heading out of the room. And JT is staring at the photo. And he's like, oh, wow, golly gee, that sure is a baby. Anyway, we should really adopt... Um, but you can tell he's getting more attached to how real this baby, this impending baby, is going to be. Yeah. Um, they always use baby in this, so I feel like I'm just going to keep saying baby. I keep though. saying in my head, Liberty Spawn. <laughs> no credit to JT. <laughs> I mean, I, JT Spawn. Nah, yeah. Liberty Spawn. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> uh, um, actually, never mind. That sounds like a shitty Tom McFarlane character. Uh, <laughs> Um, anyway, so Liberty... Oh, wait, are there any other kind? Hey! So Liberty says that, um, they can, you know, they can handle this. Um, she kisses him. Um, and when asked why she kisses him, she's like, well, it looked like you needed it. Um, and then in the swirl of all these emotions and this reconciliation, JT's like, I think we should keep the baby. I am just so sick of it. Like, I like to think that every time these people leave the, like, the, you know, like, leave voice range, I'm sure, the, like, uh, they're, like, out of the area, the t- the adults who just heard them talking just burst into laughter. Like, that, that ultrasound technician went to go talk to the doctor or like whatever it's just like oh man can you fucking believe it those two 15 year olds think they can raise a baby it's i don't know it's it's one of those things where i've never been in this situation and like not not this young and i've never really had like i feel like i've had parent i've i have like i know people who's whose parents had them young, mm-hmm. like very young. Um, but I don't really know anyone who was this young and went through this. And I don't mean this to be crass at all, but like anytime someone, when I was in high school, anytime someone was, anyone was potentially pregnant, it was pretty, pretty much like, either heavily implied or eventually word got out that they went the abortion route. Mm -hmm. Like, it's one of those things where, and I think that speaks to the privilege of the area that I come from and the accessibility of it. Um, And in terms of the school districts that I've worked at, 
I did not work very, I, there were kids in the district that were pregnant, but I myself did not really teach them. Um, or like, it was like one of those things where like they had the kid and then I didn't see them cause they were like going the, like more like a homeschooled route or an alternative education route or something like that. So I don't really have a frame of reference for what it's like to experience, quite experience something like this from that perspective. Um, but I feel like it's something that if the writers were considering environment, were considering socioeconomic level, were considering any of these things, it would at least give us a framework of how potentially this reaction would be. And it seems like they're going more for that higher socioeconomic level type yeah. thing because Liberty's dad is a lawyer, JT's grandmother i don't know what she does but she's able to raise him on her own and live on her own and you know seems to be doing all right by herself like it seems like in the it seems like there's just there's this component that's missing where i don't know how indignant people would react but i do think that it would be helpful if we kind of got more into those deeper conversations concerning this topic of like the concept of having a baby at this age and if it's possible, it, it, there's so many different things that actually hinge on that discussion. Yeah. That the writers are just entirely canceling out for the sake of drama. It's just... Reiterating that you should wrap it up. Well, it's just like... I mean, we've seen this plotline before. Yeah. And, like, it was very easy to kind of showcase to... Um, Manny and Craig, they're not ready. Right. Like, they, like, Emma's just like, here, hold this baby for 20 minutes. Or not even five minutes. Mm -hmm. And, like, <laughs> I still love that scene. Oh, um, it's, it's, it's a very, very easy way for someone who does not know to know. <laughs> I always saw this thing, um, somebody posted on Facebook. It's like, like, how to tell if you're ready for, uh, ready for parenthood. Take a nap. Did you enjoy that nap? You're not ready for parenthood. Ugh. <laughs> um... But it's just like, like we've seen this plotline before, mm -hmm. and like they just it seems like they're like okay, well we kind of forgot about that, so we're just gonna go at this fresh and not have any of the like kind of like a lot of these characters to have the warning signs, so then we can just push JT into like the danger zone, right? And and then that opens up also to me a bigger piece of this, which is um, the fact that. It feels like, it, it just feels like they are underwriting Liberty for the sake of this plot. Yeah, because, li like, constantly, Liberty's just like, I, Liberty's like, I haven't gone to the doctor, I haven't done anything, I haven't, like, talked to my parents, like, Liberty is not that dumb, like. I mean, it's not so much that, like, I, I can buy those pieces because I think that they were trying to aim for it in the sense of, like, I'm trying to hide that this is happening. I don't want to think that this is happening. I'm going to ignore that this is happening. That piece, I'm like, okay, fine. My thing is when it comes to her then having to work around that, that's where I'm getting confused because it seems like JT's doing a lot of the brain power on this one. And he's, and not to say that she has to get a job or anything like that, but you would think that she has the, she would be like, okay, so like, let's try and figure out a fucking budget. Like, okay, you went to the drugstore today, how much does everything cost with your discount? 
Like, it, it feels like they, you know, she is brilliant. She is a brilliant character, and we have seen her be brilliant. And we've not, you know, we've also seen her flaws. But it feels like they are just trying very hard to make her take as passive of a position as she can considering the that this situation has to do with her body yeah for the sake of the them scrambling yeah it it feels like jt is like to use a boxy term constantly having to force the action right and and that piece and like if they wrote it more she was incapacitated from all of this like emotionally she just could not do it I would like, I would believe it, or if they were like, hey, let's try and come up with a budget and her brain just gets super fucking blocked and she gets so upset. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But, like, they're not really framing it as if she is shutting down. They're framing it as if she's just incapable. Yeah. And that bothers the shit out of me from a characterization perspective, especially because we haven't seen her in so long and now this is the big plot she gets. Yeah. So we're really sticking with these two for a while. Yeah, we are. Um, Liberty shows up the next day at JT's house, mm-hmm. um, and they sit down with um, it's a muffin with uh, JT's grandma. And I, I do like um, JT's grandma's like, oh my god, I'm so happy you two are back together. Right, like that felt very real. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then JT's like, oh, yeah, guess guess what? We're having a baby. And Mrs. Cooney, and it's just a, Mrs. Cooney is the name in the, um, in the, uh, in the transcript. Um, oh, by the way, um, let me see if I can, a listener pointed out that we can contact the transcript editor. Yes, yes, yes. So I think... I need. We need to have words with them. I think so. Mostly, it's just like, why do you hate Manny? I mean, why do you hate women? Yeah, that, what, that, what's that for me is the more important part than the hating the fictional characters. Like that also seems more like women on a whole. Yeah, like, just just great. So we'll let you know, dear listeners, <laughs> if we go through with that. Um. So. Like, and this is finally, like, the one adult who just stops them and they're, like, she's like, oh, we're gonna, like, have a baby and we're gonna, like, raise it. And she's the adult who's like, do you have any fucking clue what this entails? Yeah. And I do appreciate the fact that JT is... <laughs> Mrs. Clooney gets to say fuck. <laughs> oh, there you go. She sure does. Because she also points out, like, JT's like, I mean, yeah, yeah, you were able to take care of me, you are able to take care of mom. And she's like, I'm not fucking spending my retirement raising a baby. Okay, so just a peek into my my father's fair warnings. He's yeah. just like, look, I will like you want us to live with me, live in this house till you're forty. Fine. The minute you get a girl pregnant, or the minute you get married, you're out of this house. I will not spend my golden years listening to another baby crying. Yeah. And I was just like, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a decent threat for safe sex. Right, but like she's she's just and she poses a good point. She's like. This is not, like, my fucking job anymore. Especially because, okay, so I don't know if you remember this, Frank, but this is definitely a 180 on uh, the plot that the family structure that JT was set up with early in the series. Yeah, he had a mom beforehand. Yeah, he had had a mom. Because remember, because the whole can and the cleaning cleaning his room, the Pringle can. (laughs) And, like, um, when, uh, 
Liberty defaces the locker. He says, like, his mom's gonna send him away. Right. Yes, 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 yes. So, so we're seeing revisionist history in, in place. Um... And I, I nearly said, I'm smart, I know things like Fredo from fucking The Godfather. <laughs> but yeah, like... <laughs> Nothing says I'm dumb, like going, I'm smart! <laughs> um, but then she, she, like, you know, he's like, we got this, we got this, and she's, and then she points out, like, your dad fucking left you, like, who's to say you won't do that? Which, by the way, is the most fucked up shit to say to someone. Yeah, it's fucking terrible. But it's still a good... Like, I, I fucking hate that delivery, but it's still a good point. I mean, there's a way to like, deliver that with, with that isn't, hey, remember how your father left you? Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. I, like, I, Mrs. Cooney, work on your delivery, but you're making some great points. Yeah, and I do understand what she's getting at, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be glib here. Like, I do understand what she's saying in the sense, ah, Dahlia woke up from her nap, so. <laughs> We're recording during the day again. We are. Her, her mid-afternoon nap, she's you can, a big baby. You can tell because there's not large parts where Dahlia's just talking because I've fallen asleep sitting up. <laughs> We're very into the recording a bunch on Saturdays. It's, it's our new new way to work around it. But um, anyway, I do understand what she's saying. I am not being obtuse here. I, I understand the sense of, like, you know, it's not fucking easy, and you're saying that you can be f- there for this baby now, but when things get tough, who's to say that you're not going to just give up? Yeah, like, like, these two don't seem to understand how badly the rubber's going to hit the road eventually. Right. And it's just, like... Because the thing is with children, you plan and they're going to laugh. Right. Well, that's the thing, because it's like, it felt like, even though the... Look at this. Right, right. Like, you <laughs> never know. You Sometimes you're just petting a cat and placating her because she desperately wants no, to... No, I, I, I meant, like, Mrs. Coney's like, I got a handle on this kid thing. Hey, I got a girl pregnant. God damn it. Oh, I learned about Basil and Dahlia. I was like, yeah, they're my babies. But, um, but regarding this, it's like... I feel like with the Craig and Manny situation, they, even though, even though they were very foolish, they were trying to figure out how to take care of a kid pretty quickly. In, like, many senses of the word. Mm. They were not great at it, but the- they are at least like, oh, maybe we should look up, like, maybe we should babysit. That sounds like a good idea. They were not smart about it, but it felt like they were at least trying they they hit the roadblock because they at least were trying to think about the actual implications of having a kid yeah not saying that they were doing it great not saying that they weren't idealistic but they were trying to look at it in the in the sense of having the baby and having a baby occupy your space yes they were like oh we'll move in together and have a baby and raise it and blah, blah 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 yes that's true but this one seems like there's a lot of hang-up on the finances and not enough discussion on the actual, like, what would it be like raising the kid? Yeah, what's it going to be like when you're running on one hour of sleep? Right, right. Like, yeah, like, it's just it just feels like... It feels as if the stuff that Craig and Manny were processing should have been applied to these two. Yeah. Yeah. But... What do I know? Yeah. Anyway. Next up. Uh, next up, we're in the hallway, and Peter is begging for forgiveness. Well, uh, we're at the, the cancer meeting. Yeah. Where Emma keeps moving, and Peter keeps following her through the seats, 
And he says this line, which, if you don't want to punch his teeth down the throat, like, after this, I know videotaping Manny was stupid, but she asked me to do it. She was drunk and very persuasive. Right. And that legitimately, like, was that when I threw my... No, no. I made a note when I threw my notebook, but I was fucking close. I can't stand this man. And, like, the fact that, that, like, you know, she sits and he slides over... Ugh. I had that happen to me in high school with a guy, and seeing Peter do that just made me see red. Yeah, um, so eventually he, like, says he's going to a movie tonight at the theater, and Emma's like, oh, I'm not gonna be there, and she gets, uh, she gets up to leave, and Paige, like, stares her down and says, whenever you're ready, curing cancer can always wait. Right? He's like, all right. <laughs> Once again, like, for the the episodes, the two episodes we're doing today, and, um, she, Paige has gone back into her supportive character role, and I think it's, like, great yeah. to have her back there. She's very good as a supporting character. Yeah. I, I think she can be a lead. I think that she had, the writers have lost their way with her, but putting her back into this kind of snide, snippy, um, supporting role, I feel like is a good way for the writers to get back on track. Um... But yeah, so he's like super gross. Um, I'm just gonna go to the next scene. I don't have any other thoughts. Yeah, it's just like I want to just point out the one line, just right, point out how gross Peter is. Disgusting. If you write Peter fanfiction, how dare you? Oh, I, I'm sure. I'm sure people have. <laughs> um, anyway, so now it's time to tell Liberty's parents. Yeah, so they're like walking over, um, and they're like, "Okay, time to tell Liberty's parents." Um, and JT basically is like, "Hey, like." You know, we if we want to move in together and things, because like basically it's like they can move in if Liberty. The condition, so basically, ugh, sorry. Let me start from the beginning. JT says, "Hey, if your parents reject you, we can just move in together." Yeah. Um, but the big stipulation is is that um they don't want to talk to Liberty's parents until they have the security of a new place. Which of the the way they're not handling this well does actually is actually a good idea. No, no, I agree. I, I was gonna say this is probably the smartest decision they have made, really. Um, so then we get a montage. Yes, yeah, so we get a montage of them like looking at different things. Um, they're like looking at listings, they go to some shitholes or places where the landlord slams the door on them because they're clearly children. Um, we're doing like a lot of that type of stuff. Um, and then we have a... Once again, can't they just do the thing that Sean is doing? Or Sean did? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they could. (laughs) Because Sean was able to do that and still go to school, and everything was fine. No, you're right. Well, I mean, I... Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, no, my mind is, like, blown right now. I'm, like, sitting here thinking about it, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so anyway, um, like, we cut back to three boring characters, um, or two, uh, currently. Um, Emma and Derek are walking around the mall. Mm-hmm. It's a good old mall. It's a real mall. And, like, I don't, I didn't, I thought this date was going to be super awkward, but because Derek is awkward, 
But mm-hmm. I honestly, I didn't hate this date as much as I thought I was going to. No, and I think the thing is, is that Derek, in spite of the flaws that he clearly has at the beginning, um, is trying to be very sincere and very authentic. I, I think he he's not trying to hide himself. And he's reading his like he's reading his date's mood pretty well. Yeah. But he gets super excited by seeing a t shirt for a wrestler he really likes. Yeah. And he's like, Oh like oh yeah, the Leopard Twins and then he's like, You don't like wrestling. Yeah, and like he also <laughs> I, he, I can I cannot I've been on a number of dates where I've not been able to read this cute those cues as well. Right, right. <laughs> oh God just died on AO three, by the way. Ooh. What? God died on AO3 because I just read something that is tagged armpit kink. I was trying to find a Peter tag and click to see how many fanfics there were, but I instead saw that. Eh, whatever. <laughs> it's a Harry Potter Degrassi crossover. I know. Um. Armpit kink. Huh. So, anyway. It eventually fizzles, and Emma, like, kind of. It's just just so rude. Yeah, because it's like... Yeah, it's just... I. So, like, the big thing is he mentions hunting. And, you know, he's like, you know, like, have you ever had, like, venison? Like, it's really good. And she's just like, I'm vegetarian. And he's like, okay. Like, he he's never... Like, is he a good fit? No. But is he an asshole? No. Like... Sometimes you date someone and you're not compatible, and that's okay. And, like, you know, he, he still... I also really liked how when she said... When he said, like, you know, do you watch wrestling? She said no. He said, okay, do you watch TV? She said no. I read. And then he goes, oh, I read comic books. Yeah. And, like, I thought that was a really, like, nice way to try and find common ground. Like, he's really fucking trying. Um, and she's just like, yeah, well, this isn't gonna work. Okay, well, let me read her line. Yeah, it's true. Just, it's true. The you, line's really mean. Listeners, you need to know how terrible this is. Yeah. Derek, um, listen, I had a great time. Well, an okay time. Actually, I had a pretty lame time, so let's just quit while we're behind. Sorry. Right. That's about as cold as the girl who told me, you're kind of like a puppy. Once I've had, like, once you've been around, I've been around you for a week, I want a new one. That's terrible. I, well, yeah, so I know where Derek's coming from. <laughs> like, it's, it's just very... You could just say, I'm not feeling this, I'm gonna go. Right. You don't have to like tear the tear the guy apart when there's no reason to tear them apart. What do I know? But um Uh though you know it'd be nice if he called up Jimmy. He's just like, hey Jimmy, I just something bad happened. He's like, Come here, let's go shoot some 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 sympathy hoops. No, sympathy hoops. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, she just like fucking leaves him. And then Jimmy's just like, Oh yeah, stay away from Ellen Nelson, she's terrible. Yeah, by the way, she's awful. Um, so we now end up, um, with Liberty and JT looking at another apartment, and the landlord reveals that the rent is $750 a month, which, coming from Jersey, that nice of an apartment, $750 a month? And, like, the landlord seems like a pretty okay dude. Right? I would, like, what the, I can't even conceptualize that. (laughs) I can't conceptualize, what can you find for $750 in New Jersey? Okay, we're here. Um, I don't want to name numbers, but my rent is a bit lower than that. But I also live with you three live other with, people. Yeah, like you. Two live, other people. You live with other people. Like my rent is. I live alone. It's a lot, but like that's because I live alone. And once I get a roommate, yes, it would be okay. But like, wow, what? Like seven hundred fifty dollars 
That's it? You don't need a zillion roommates? I can't conceptualize it. It breaks my brain. Um, so... But they can't afford it. Regardless of me, a grown-ass adult, being able to afford a $750 apartment, the fact of the matter is is that they cannot. Yeah, um, but unless... Unless... Um, cut to Jay, once again, talking to JT at the pharmacy, pointing out, I know a way to get money, and <laughs> if you steal oxycodone from me, and, well, you steal oxycodone, give it to me, and we can, uh, sell it for big monies. Which, Frank started losing it, because... Okay, so let me just point out how impossible it is to steal from a pharmacy. I've worked in pharmacies since I was 16 years old, I'm 34 now... Um, don't judge. Um, <laughs> okay. Talk to Dahlia. Be like, don't judge me. Don't you look at me. I told you to get a job. <laughs> um, okay, so one, you had to beat the cameras, which we did have a woman do for a while, but she was eventually caught um, because of number two. Narcotics are counted weekly, and the pharmacist is going to hunt down any person who might have put their accounts off because they're responsible for those counts to um the fda mm-hmm. so and especially like oxycodone is a c2 that one is going to be guarded heavily it also boggled my mind that they actually had a bottle that big of oxycodone number three if for some reason it's kept in a closet not in a safe no 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 that's not how this shit happens so, an unlocked closet. This is the Hobgoblin bank door of closets. <laughs> where it's like an elaborate security system that you can just open the door to. I mean, are there potential differences? This is obviously somebody who who works in New Jersey, but I feel like the, nar- the issue of narcotics in general is... I feel like it can't be that, 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 that different. No. Like... <laughs> but... Yeah, it's just, it's it's kind of, it's it's an odd plot line for us to analyze, I also feel like, in 2020, because Oxy and painkiller-related addiction and things like that is, like, such a huge, it's a shadow that really has, like, eclipsed a lot of everywhere, and, and it's a very uncomfortable truth, and it's, it's... It's a weird plot line to look at from this point of view, from our point of view, for me personally, because it's like, they're getting really into the dealing aspect of it, and like, obviously this is a morality play, Degrassi, so it's like, oh, don't deal drugs, that's bad, um, as opposed to like, the really complicated situation that is oxycodone, and all of like, the, you know, relating to addiction, and perceptions of addiction, and all of that type of stuff. But, like, Degrassi's not going to do a super nuanced take on that. One, because it this isn't 2020 that this episode is operating in. But also, two, it's like, this feels like the predictable Degrassi route. Also, there should have been another tech in that pharmacy. You're right. <laughs> it shouldn't have just been this this old man and uh, JT. Yeah. <laughs> now, soon we will close out. These are the only two episodes where I get to flex my pharmacy knowledge. Yes. Um, you should start making meth like Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah, you did mutter that while we were watching it too. You were like, why doesn't he just make meth? I think that was back at a time you could get like 
Sudafed for like. Oh yeah, no, it was not. I I, I I was working in the pharmacy at that point. It was not regulated. Nope. <laughs> I think after that point, it was like, oh, fuck, we're gonna regulate this shit. I. It's so annoying now too, because like when I need it, I'm clearly like. I need it. And I'm, like, m- like mumbling over at the counter, just like, please give me one box. <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, here you go. Uh, oh. And it's, like, big production, them unlocking it and shit. And the, okay, and then just to close out this episode, um, Peter sees Emma, and Emma's just like, I'm going to pretend to play coy about how I don't really like you, and blah, 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 I like to have power. Because I'm Emma Nelson. I need to have power. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm bad. <laughs> um, and then like, and then oh, <laughs> thank you. I hate talking about Emma and Peter. <laughs> I put up a picture of a kitten from Kitten Academy. So they they go into the movie. Emma's like, stop talking. And then at the pharmacy, JT steals Masikoda when the manager goes to lock up the store. Um, which, why wouldn't, like, why would he just leave it on the counter like that? Right, right, right. Just totally unattended. Um, fun, fun Donnie trivia. My mother was a pharmacist, question mark. I don't know, I haven't talked to her in years. Maybe she still is. Uh, and so also watching this tickled me because I'm sitting here looking at all this happening and I'm like, what? <laughs> like... Granted, I was able to go behind behind the counter, and I definitely should not have been able to. But my mother never left anything unattended for me to fuck with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she had like five texts. Oh, also the the pharmacy is too low. Yeah, you're right. It needed like everybody like says like oh we're on a power trip because like we you know talk to you from above. No, mm-hmm. it's just it's like we the reason it's raised. Is so that people can't glance over, like, tall people can't glance over and look at the shit we're working on. Because that's protected health information. Yeah. PHI, motherfuckers. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, but yeah, so, um, but yeah, G, yeah, GT just pours a bunch in his pocket of his smock, which is also what puts me over the fucking edge. He just is like, whoop, right in there. Um, and... And that's the deep, dark descent of part one. Yes. Um, so, uh, we... JT encounters... Okay, episode two. JT. By the way, this means the B-plot is done. Yeah. That's, that's how that B-plot ends. Anyway. We're going to get to a far more irritating one in, <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> so, um, so, JT runs into Jay. Jay takes him to the <laughs> ravine. Naturally. <laughs> He's like, I don't know where to go. Fuck. Um, mm. Once again, this is a reason why Frank never did drugs, is Frank didn't know where to find drugs besides the ones I worked with. Fair enough. And that never po- like that never popped into my head because I'm just like, well, I need this job. <laughs> I can't, I can't start selling drugs because I need this job. Right. Um, but yeah, they go to the ravine. They meet with. Does the dealer even have a name? According to this, Aaron. 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 Oh yeah, it is Aaron. Um, Aaron is like just—he just looks like a stereotypical drug dealer. Like. Oh, and I also pointed out the the show Breaking Bad. Like they have a whole thing where at some point Walter sells meth to these drug dealers in a um in a junkyard, mm-hmm. and um, 
like Jesse points out, like this is where people who don't deal drugs think drug deals happen. And he's just like, why don't we do this at the mall? That's where most of my like my sales went down. You go like you wait for your person in the parking lot. Uh, if they're late, you go get an orange Julius, shop for khakis at the Gap, and then you meet them in the parking lot and you go home. <laughs> Nobody gets shot at the mall. It's just very yeah. It just is like. He's, I think he meets Jay in a dark alley before. No, this. he does. He it, like it, it's a lot of like very predictable type of stuff, and it's like they're in an urban area. Like there are places they can meet up that aren't just shady alleyways. Like, yeah. I feel like I have seen drug deals just on a New York City street. I saw drug deals happen at my school. Yeah, like or like at your school and shit. Like, like it. It's always very, I, I'm very curious what, how this breakdown happens with these types of plots. Because is it, it could be one of two things to me, right? It could be, one, the writers are writing out of their depth, which very well may be it, right? Like, they're just like, oh, we want to write about this. It's like, do you know anything about this? I don't know. I guess they meet in shady alleys. Or do they gussy it up because, like, they're, they're resistant toward writing it in a way that is quote-unquote real? Yeah. Or they're like me and never have seen drugs before. Right. But, like, it's it's very intriguing to me because it feels like there is a discussion that can be had, right? There is a discussion about, like, being in over your head and the things that you do because you're in... Pol- like, money fucks with you and lack of money fucks with you. Anyone who has ever been in a situation in which they were low on cash can tell you about... All the fucked up thoughts that they had, all the fucked up shit that they had, and how that drags down your mental health. Yeah. And there are flashes of that in this episode, but then it also does weird shit and just, like, leans on a lot of tropes in terms of, like, what this type of stuff looks like. And it really loses, it it, it loses its bite in the process. Yeah. What could be a really interesting look at this, what could be a real because you know how Degrassi goes there, real look at this type of shit just kind of falls apart. Yeah. I guess, uh, like, I, I keep mentioning, I feel like Breaking Bad is a much different, like, much better than this, of what it does. Because it shows, like, this is a man who needed money. This is the downward spiral he went. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Um, and then in this case, JT just kind of tosses a Ziploc bag of pills at him, and and the guy just kind of tosses some money at him, and he gives him, like, $800. Okay, and also in these two episodes, everybody just refers to it as, like, what exactly it is. There's no codes, there's no, like, slang terms. Nobody's like, you got the goods? It's just like, here are my drugs! Yeah, and, like, that's not the <laughs> like, I mean, I feel like, I feel like lingo and, and slang, like, it's always really, like... I don't know, like, I I don't hate it, but it's really odd how they just say drugs. You know what I mean? Like, I, I could get them just saying oxy, and just, like, straight up always saying oxy. You got the goods. Like, like, I just feel like saying just drugs. Here are drugs. Here it's to me as, these are people who have never interacted with drugs. <laughs> but JT's the worst undercover cop. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Hello, fellow criminals. I'm looking for the black market. <laughs> Um, so... Do you know where I can find some illegal paraphernalia and marijuana? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, some C2 or C3 through 5 
narcotic and controlled medications? Please, direct me to your nearest drug dealer. <laughs> um, so, um... So, so, um, he originally gets $800 for what he has, and JT asks for more, um, and the guy gives him, how much more, $400, I think, um, on the premise that this is basically, like, a a forward for when he brings more. Alone, get me more pills. Yeah, basically. Okay, and, alright, and then we cut to, and this, the, the... Oh, JT vomits immediately. Yeah, which I think I would, too. Um, that I believe. Yes. So, (laughs) Um, at the apartment, like back to the apartment building where this landlord is just looking at these children who he's now rented an apartment to, went, rented his property to. JT, like fucking Toby's like sauntering in being like, wow, look at all this shit you live by now. Show, he's okay. So show massager. Hello. And a great view of the yoga studio across the street. Man, those honeys are flexible. Oh, ew. That's what he said. I thought he said that they were near, like, an art studio. Ew, that's disgusting. Why do they do this? Okay, and also... This, this, and, okay, so the, the, the um, transcriber keeps referring to the landlord as the tenant. Um, <laughs> another thing small, to add to our email. Small, small note. But also, just like... You know, like, I, I don't know, like, when I applied for the, like, my apartment, I had to provide a credit score, I had to provide a background check. Same, yeah. Like, and, uh, like... I had to give, like, pay stubs to prove that I was getting consistently paid. Yeah. For, like, like three months. Yeah. Like, I and he's just looking at these children and is just like, yes, they'll keep my apartment safe. Like, you sure? Yeah? Like, I, be- I believe Sean... Because Sean lived there for so long. Right, and like with Sean, I'm sure he could cough up the paperwork saying like... The school's like, gonna help me. Right, right, like his whole entire legal situation. Like, and and I and as much as Sean is like very to himself with that information, I, I feel like in those types of scenarios he would give up the paperwork to prove that he can live there. Yeah, um, and the landlord says like... And like Jason's like, we're very responsible, and the landlord's just like, like, like says, and very pregnant. Kids, mm-hmm. are you sure you can afford this place? Raising kids aren't cheap. Once again, another parent, another adult saying what needs to be said. Mm-hmm. But also, like, <laughs> whatever. I'm not gonna. That feels like casting aspersions. I'm not gonna say it. Yeah, um, it's yeah, it's just like a very the whole scenario is kind of preposterous in its own way. Yeah. Um. So. So we uh, end up at. So he gives off the cash, and okay, he has a room. We end up at Emma's place, and Snake is trying to get ready. Um, and as he's doing that stuff, like Manny and Emma are like going to the fridge the same time he is, and Jack is crying, and Spike is holding him and saying like he has an ear infection. Um, and Snake is just very irritated, which there are a lot of people living in that house right now, it is true, and one of them is a baby. Yeah. That is true. The other one is Jack. Hey! <laughs> Fuck you, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we end up at the front of the school, and Snake is cycling in. 
I, I do like how utterly dorky he looks. In oh, his, like, he looks absolutely dorky. He has like a little flag on the back of his pull up and um, like a milk crate for a basket on the back. Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, whatever. It's it's it. There are plenty of teachers who cycle in. I wish I could cycle into work, but my job was like ten miles away. Yeah, like. People, people do it. I feel like there are teachers in my school in New York City who, who at least bike to, like, the train and stuff. Yeah. Like, whatever. There's no shame. Um, but, but yeah, like, he seems very, like, discouraged by everything. And as he's, like, hemming and hawing, Joey pulls up, um, and he has Diane with him, which is nice to see. It's good to see that they're still together. Wait a minute. Was Craig, did Craig jump out of the car? Yeah, he did. Okay, because I was just like, I couldn't remember if he did, so I'm just like, is Joey just cruising the high school? No, 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 no. Joey went, no, Craig in the back was like, like, jumping out. Um. I'm really glad him and Diane are still together. Me too. Like, I'm genuinely really, really happy about that development. Yeah. Um, and... Diane is like, oh, hey, Snake, like, you're the notorious Snake. Like, I've heard a lot about you. Are you still tearing up the school? Um, and Snake's like, <laughs> And Joey apparently, I guess the, the the car dealership's either doing a lot better or he's just condemned it to failure because he's like, we're just taking the day off to hit the open road. <laughs> right. Like, it's actually very odd because, like, he goes on this whole entire speech about how he has to live for himself, blah, 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 blah. But I would argue that well, I don't think Joey has always not done this, but I feel like like I've never questioned his dedication to like being a father and things like that. Like I didn't question. I don't know where Angie is right now. But, like <laughs> kindergarten. Yeah, yeah. Or like but, first like, grade. But like you know, he he's he seemed to even if I hate how he's handled romantic relationships a lot of the time. In terms of his obligation and understanding of, like, he is an adult. Like, he's, he's like, you know, had moments, like, with the band and things like that. But he's usually come to the right conclusion at the end of it. Going, like, oh, right. Like, I am an adult. Or I am a dad. Or, like, you know what I mean? And, like, he's, like, you know, be spontaneous. I, I, would, I would love if he's just, like, so, taking in a kid that's not your own game. I know what that's like. Right, right. <laughs> it just seems like he's not quite the one to... to I mean, hey, but even then, his advice of being spontaneous is not the awful. Yeah. Like, like just, just, being an adult means being spontaneous in a controlled way. Right, it's, right. It's not like, well, I'm going to go do a bunch of coke and punch a guy. It's just like, I'm going to take a little road trip for myself. Right, right. I'm going to schedule with Emma to watch Jack, and they can watch... Like, you know, Manny and Emily can watch Jack, and Spike and I are going up the country for the weekend. Right, right, exactly. It's like, he, we all get in ruts as adults, and I think also when you work with kids, it's a very specific type of rut. Like, because it's like, day in, day out, you're interacting with kids, you get the same shithead in the class every single period, and every single time, they are a fucking shithead. Like, you know, like, it, it's understandable why he's in, in this emotional place. I just hate how the direction that they go in it. Yeah. Um... But, yeah, so, yeah, so, like, you know, Joey's, like, take the day off, like, go hang out, blah, 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 which is, like, the stupidest thing you can tell a teacher. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but, but, anyway, that's how it kind of ends on. So, um, outside the dot, um, JT is telling the lying good news that mm-hmm. his grandmother gave him the money for the apartment, 
And meanwhile, Spinner and Jay are, <laughs> like, sharing headphones behind them. Frank's like, you have to go back. We have to go back. We have to look at this. And they're just, like, just, like, bopping some music on the bench. Once again, I really like the background scenes of, like, you know, past, like, Degrassi characters hanging out. Yeah, it's like... This was really goofy, but I loved it. I agree. It, it's just like, it's it's silly, it's funny. It's actually kind of weird to me that they don't really have a lot of the kids be in the backgrounds a lot more. <laughs> like, it feels like, I mean, maybe it's also like payment type stuff, but like, it feels to me like it would be, it would be nice, not saying that it's realistic, well, but it would be nice to see them kind of like, sometimes you see them in like the dances and stuff, Yeah. but I would like to see more of them in like, more superfluously put into the scenes. Well, I think the reason is because they only would have to pay, like, pay only 50% extra because Jay is featured in this episode. So right. he, he's already on set. Right. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I'm, I understand there's a logistic. It's just a, I wish. It would be fun if, you know, yeah, this episode's about JT and Liberty, but I see the Euchre crew in the corner, like, trying to get uh, Jimmy to, to, like, I don't know, draw them all for free <laughs> i mean they could do what they did in um the office where they just had a cardboard cutout of steve carell that they would like do for shots <laughs> like there's certain shots where you'll see him like bent kind of like with his arms forward that's like cardboard cut out of him that's really funny so anyway anyway so they they you know they're talking about it um jt says we still gotta tell your parents yes she says like okay like yeah okay now we officially have to tell your parents um, we end up at Liberty's, and their parent and her parents are just from the jump upset. Um, Understandably, you're right. And um, Liberty's dad is just straight up like, "I fucking hate you, JT. I know you're a child. I know, I know, I know you're a child, but fuck you." I mean, uh, yeah. And, like, the dad is like, you know, what do you want me to say here? Like, I'm fucking pissed. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. I I can never determine if these scenes are done in a way that's, like, realistic, unrealistic. Because it also feels like one of those scenarios you're never going to know how you're going to act until you're in it. Yeah. Right? Like, like you could tell yourself, oh, this is how I would act if, if this happened to me. But, like, I feel like even if you are, like someone who considers themselves, like, you know, progressive and, you know, pro, you know, like, you know, pro whatever, anything, like, you know, people have a right to choose, right, right, and then, like, it's your child. <laughs> I could see even the most open-minded individual being like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> because it's like, as an adult also, it's like you're looking at it from a very different lens from someone who is living moment to moment like a teenager. Yeah. So... <laughs> it's just like when my like when somebody tells me like something bad about my health or like my car my brain is just like how much is this going to cost me how much is this going to cost me right and i think that's the thing it's like i think the outrage is just from i mean there's two two pieces of it right an adult can look at it and go well what the fuck are you gonna do like you're you're not gonna be able to do everything that you set out to do as a as a child because you are taking care of a child and then also the parent going fuck, I gotta pay for this shit. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna name names, but 
I had a pair of friends say when they got pregnant, um, uh, they're like, I don't think this is going to change our lives that much. And I said, yeah, probably not. In my head, I'm just screaming with laughter. (laughs) Well, because it will. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. But, man, it's going to change your your priorities so much. You know? So, I know it was mostly just the kind of, like, naivete. Right, right, right. And, and, you know, Liberty's parents are, are very upset about it. And her mom says, like, you know, we'll support you. And her head is like, I'll support you, but fuck you, JT. Um... And in response, she's like, yeah, well, then I'm going to pack my stuff and move out. Boy, okay. So, um, because of part of the episode I actually did enjoy and wasn't trying to, like, keep my skeleton from bursting from my skin and running away. Um, Snake shows up on a motorcycle outside the school. And Manny says, looks like Snake shed his old skin. And Emma says, please don't make me think about his skin. <laughs> that line's really funny, and I also love the extra that was like, oh, bleh, at the sight of Snake in the fucking motorcycle outfit. We, we, okay, um, because like I say, we watched like three, ep- four episodes today, we've had some good extras. Yeah, we really have. The extras have been, they deserve double. And Miss Hasselakos meets up with him and is like, oh, wow, nice bike, like, in the loading zone. Yeah, like, really nice bike. <laughs> Put it out of that fucking area. <laughs> yeah. Miss um, Hazlakos points out that she loves motorcycles, and I'm just like, I love you. Like I, I'm just, yeah. I really enjoy Miss Hazlakos. The problem is, is like their flirting is like so heterosexual. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's how we do. Why? Because we don't know any other way. Well, these two don't. We definitely don't. Um. So they, I mean, like you, I've told you about the way I flirt. I say something that's very flirtatious and very forthcoming, and then I realize, oh, you actually attracted me. Oh, fuck, time to panic. I, I feel like the thing that annoys <laughs> me about, like, a lot of the flirting in this chunk of episodes is, is a lot of, like, people being mean. Yeah. Or, like, telling you what to do, but framing it as flirting. And, like, that in particular skews me out so much. Yeah, because it's just necking. Yeah, it's just like, please stop. Oh, <laughs> Oh, oh my god! I would love to see this house. All goes neg snake though. That'd be amazing. Wow, that uh, that bike outfit would look really a lot better if you had more hair. Mm. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I'm making you uncomfortable. Um, I I got negged real bad once on Tinder. Ugh. It was it was it was bizarre and like I I had never had been negged before and I didn't really understand what it was at the time and I was just like, why are you being mean? Like, and then I blocked her and I was like, why are you just being me goodbye and then like someone afterwards was like yeah you were getting nagged and i'm like that sucks <laughs> um Susie, like love like when guys try and like went back when she was single now she's dating a very nice boy um like guys would try and pull that shit on her and she would like reverse my sister could reverse it like a fucking pro wrestler. It was amazing. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but I would anyway. not fuck with her, ever. <laughs> I, um, I'll have something to tell you after. Oh, boy. Well, no, it's just, like, my mom has a bunch of stuff that she's trying to, um, she wants opinions from my friends, like, whether or not they want it. Mm-hmm. And, like, I texted, like, one friend in particular. I was like, my mom wants to have words with you. And she's like, 
what does your mom want? It's like, she wants to know if he wants this stuff. She's like, don't scare me like that. Your mom scares me. Like, yes. My mom's really nice. She's like, I'm sure. But if you say my mom wants to have words with you, that's a terrifying prospect. It's true. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, okay. So, back at the pharmacy. Back at the pharmacy. Liberty shows up. Oh, uh, she makes a weird-ass statement. Excuse me, sir, but who must one... No, Siri, excuse me, <laughs> sir, by who must one become impregnated in order to receive some service? I literally threw my notebook. <laughs> by who must one become impregnated? I literally <laughs> tossed my notebook. I got so upset. The, 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 the structure of that sentence sounds like I'm summoning an elder god <laughs> <laughs> to impregnate me. It was like... By who must one become impregnated? I was um and the pharmacist uh is like hey jt um you know just wondering if i'm missing anything jt's automatically what do you mean drugs drugs being stolen i don't know what like he's like super you know like just he he's sweating yeah, well jt also points out like he realizes like to like maintain to keep the baby support he's gonna spend every waking moment here mm-hmm. and like she points out the babies go through about 10 diapers a day. Yeah. So anyway, um, and then, yeah, we get the pharmacist. And good job on the casting. This guy looks like such a pharmacist. He does. It's true. <laughs> um, you know, pointing out that, like, some drugs are missing and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's oxy and it's really important that it doesn't go missing. Yeah. Cut to outside. Um, Liberty says... A very leading question. She's going to make a great lawyer. Right, right. <laughs> um, so, what's the most important element of a relationship? Uh, Liberty, JD's, JT says love, and Liberty says honesty. Yeah. Um, and this is where she's, like, this is where I, like, this is what Liberty is good at, right? Like, she, she, this is the, this is probably the most, like, Liberty thing in this whole entire episode. So Liberty says, the missing drugs in the apartment, is there no relation? And yep. JD says, I thought it was a good idea. And Liberty just grabs her backpack off and starts slamming it into him. Right. And I was just like, yes, finally. And it's like, he's like, oh, it's fine. I'll just... Buy the drugs back and bring them back to the pharmacy. JT, have you ever existed in the fucking world? <laughs> like, what do you think he's going to do? He's like, oh man, I scored these oxycodone. Time to look at them. <laughs> yeah, those pills are so white. And they're kind of crumbly and dusty. I like I'm petting them. <laughs> like, what like, does he think is going to happen? Like, those things were gone the night you brought them there. <laughs> So, JT's like, I'll make it right. Cut to the media immersion room, and JT's gonna try and make it right by threatening Toby. Right, he's like, I need $1,200. Toby's like, that sucks, dude. Like, why don't you ask your landlord? Because, once again, these kids do not understand the world! This is so stupid. And then, and then they, like, fight. And, like, JT grabs him by the collar. He's, like, not letting go. And JT is like, this is why you have no friends! He's just, like, like cashing your bonds. And, J- and Toby's like... How the fuck do you think bonds work? <laughs> right. Um, and I kind of wish that, like, they really went a little harder in the fact that, like, why are they even friends at this point? Because it's it's a very tentative friendship right now. It is clinging almost entirely by the fact that Toby knows. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 
and it's done. Like we're right. they are done after this. Right, right. And like you like I kind of wish Toby was like like fuck you, buddy. Like Toby gets to say fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Toby gets, he's allowed to say fuck me. Like, I kind of wish Toby was just like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> oh, man, it'd be great if, like, he got, he just, like, he's like, let go of me, JT. And JT, let's go. He's like, fuck you. Fuck Liberty. Fuck your baby. Toby out. And just, walk, like, moonwalks out of the scene. <laughs> but not, like, a good moonwalk. No, he's like, Arr. It's just really cool. He's walking backwards. Right. I mean, the thing is with, with Toby, it's like, all of his beef is on JT. All of his issues are with JT. JT is a, being a fucking asshole to him and is now putting his hands on him. And I'm, I'm like, glad that Toby's, like, let go. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, let go of me. Um, back to the Simpson house. Okay, right, back to the Simpson house. Um, they're having family dinner. Jack is asleep. And they're, like, really happy about it. Um, and the girls do, like, the old wind-up about the motorcycle. However, we paused right at this and Frank's just like, <laughs> Spike doesn't fucking know. Um, and sure enough, Spike doesn't know. Spike's like, well, what the fuck do you mean about a motorcycle? Um, and and Spike's like, oh, friends lending it out. Maybe I'll get it. I'm not sure. And Spike's like, with what fucking money? <laughs> I, and this is like the most married couple thing. Uh, Spike, uh, Snake says, I was going to talk to you. Spike, you will later. Yes. It's just like, these are two relatively likable characters, and put together, they become so sadly heterosexual. Like, Snake is not horrible most of the time, and Spike is great. And it's like, you put the, like, like he drags her down. Couldn't, like, the, and it just, this, this plotline just feels so... It, like, for a show that, like, introduced me to, like... The idea of, like, oh, here's your bad boy greaser, dude. He's super sweet and kind. Right. And, like, gets calmed down by baby birds in his hand. Here's your oh, mean Here's yeah. your mean girl who loves women and loves taking care of younger girls. Or else, like, for, it, like, for denying expectations, this fucking show has suddenly just fallen into just, like, we're gonna just keep with those expectations. We're gonna keep with stereotypes. Like... Give me, like, that, like, maybe every Saturday night. Like, like I love the fact that fucking Snake was such a giant, is such a giant nerd dad. Right. Like, and he's, like, f- kind of folded into it. Like, I liked when, you know, um, Paige, I didn't like those two characters, but, like, when Paige and Oleander saw him out and about, like, wearing his shorts and pushing Jack, and, like, I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. But, like... Get, like, you know, maybe, like, instead of, like, he, instead of him having to realize, oh, I need to, like, act dangerously and live, like, maybe he just, like, gets a D&D group on Saturday nights or something. Right, right. There's, there's something about, I think a lot of the failings of Degrassi when it does a plots with adult characters is, like, I feel like it goes so big in a way, in the sense of, like, it always falls under miscommunication, and mm-hmm. it's always cheating, and it's always, like, these extreme sad shits. And it doesn't have to be. Sometimes it is, like, yeah, no, the fact that he's getting into a rut and he feels like shit is a very real adult feeling. But why not have that not be, like, the whole midlife crisis type route? Yeah. Why not be having to discover something new? And And also that's a very encouraging thing, I think, for teenagers to see, because I think that teenagers 
get very scared of adulthood or that they'll never grow up because they don't want to end up like their parents who a lot of the time are resentful and in ruts and and you know do not have hobbies like a lot of parents lose there's like a lot of adults in general like lose their hobbies or the sense of having them and I think that a lot of my adulthood and I think a lot of my friends can speak to it is discovering new things like fuck I I, tr- I played a video game in its entirety for the first time like ever at 28 years old yeah. like you can discover new things and get into new things and like keep with things that you loved as a teenager in a different way and like yeah yeah you get tired a lot and you have to work around stuff and you have to figure out vacation days but it doesn't mean that you can't and i wish that the that his plot was just not this kind of trope garbage that i don't i like i think i think the adult characters deserve a lot better yeah i mean i feel like this is also like pre like, this is a very pre... I feel like if this was... If these these episodes are made today, like, this would be what we're talking about. Because this is pre-recession. Like That's we're true. We're living in the post-recession where it's just like, no, experiences. Because I can't afford things. Right. And and a lot of us who are not really that much... I mean, we're, we're definitely younger than these characters. But in many ways, we, we are kind of not quite hitting the milestones maybe ever that these characters are so our take on it is going to be a little different yeah so anyway um uh so cut back to the pharmacy let's just kind of like wrap this up yeah um a kid so kid buys grabs something and sprints out mr mckay is the one to chase after him for some which reason which doesn't make any sense because i as for everyone that i've ever known that's ever worked retail like you don't just chase down yeah someone Anyway, um, JT hops into the pharmacy, steals real quick, once again from the supposed to be locked closet of drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, the pharmacist knows something is fucking up because he does not turn the container in the correct way. So yeah. it looks very, very obvious. Um, so then uh, Spike and Snake have an argument. And it goes roughly the way you think it is. It, yeah, because Spike straight up comes out of the gate going like, are you having a midlife crisis? And Snake gets really resentful and yells about routine and how there has to be more to life. Once again, just super rudimentary. Yeah. It's super rudimentary. It is really frustrating. And I feel like it's it's haunted this couple literally since their, like, beginning. Yeah. Um, so we end up at, meanwhile, we end up at the hall. Liberty says that she can get help from her parents. And JT's oh, we completely skipped over the fact that Aaron and Jay show up to threaten JT to get him more drugs. Um. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, you're right. So that also happens. Um, it's also not, it's just an upsetting scene. It's not very interesting. Yeah, it's very just upsetting and, and honestly very tropey. Um, so Liberty says that she can get help from her parents. JT says that he had to get more pills. And Liberty is really, really angry um and you know says like you know you haven't changed and jt is like no i have and she's like yeah you have into a drug dealer (laughs) once again this is at school right once again having a super loud conversation and i mean i do want to pause for a second in this whole entire conversation of like turning into a drug dealer things like that where i do wish there was more of a talk of just how t- like 
I wish there was more discussion between the two about how this has impacted them emotionally and how this has impacted their choices and how this would continue to impact their choices. But it seems like the plot is very resistant toward going in that direction. And it's very odd because it's such like a future-focused character like Liberty. And I understand like we're going to assume that she's like kind of shutting down and she's just like emotionally not all there right now. But it's just, it's just weird. It's just a weird plot. It's for me. It's the time frame. Yes. Like, like she's six months pregnant at this point. Mm-hmm. So like that first month, yeah, I I, I can I like I said I don't have any. I would even say the first trimester. Give her three months to yeah. just be like, this isn't happening. This isn't happening. This isn't like, happening. Then her stomach starts showing like, oh fuck, this is happening. Right. Like you can't like she can't be in like. I don't want to try and judge anybody's emotional, like, area, but, like, you you got to start dealing with it at some point. And, like, I feel like a month, two months, three months, that's enough to, like, kind of say, like, this is a reality, I need to deal with it. Right. You know? So, like, the fact that she's just like, I'm going to just keep rolling along and see what happens. It's just not a character that would do it for that long. Yes. That's, that's really what it is. It's like, are there characters that would? Yes. I just can't see, unless they really framed it as she is so emotionally incapacitated about this, I can't believe that Liberty Van Zandt would do this. There there needs to be a plot line where her grades are suffering, everything's going down. Right, like, things have to be falling apart a little bit. Like, that's the thing, it just, it this plot feels like a disservice to her. And this is not even touching upon the point that we mentioned earlier with this plot, where it's like, oh, you got the black girl pregnant. Wow. But, like... Beyond that scope, it is also a disservice to what we know of Liberty as a character. A char- and a character who is a very, up until this point, a very realistic kid. Just yeah. a kid. Okay, so... Anyway. So, um... We end up at the ravine. I do like to say, I do think it's funny that, um, at some point, JT refers to Aaron as the gentleman who financed our apartment. Yes. <laughs> I do find that funny. That's the thing, I think sometimes... <laughs> JT is actually incredibly funny. This later, the later form of JT I actually find to be quite funny. I like that the writing goes in that direction because it feels like that kind of exaggerated way of speech that some teenagers pick up on, myself included, when I was that age. So I find the way he phrases things to be quite entertaining. Yeah. Um, We end up at the ravine. Yeah, JT just jumps, dumps the pills into Aaron's lap. Aaron, like, wants to fight him. Mm -hmm. Jay jumps in. Um, and then he breaks it up, and then JT blames Jay. And then Jay's like, no, I'm saving you. Um, <laughs> um, you and this is also a line we we kind of trolled at. Yeah, I just see your butt. Were you two guys going to kiss? Not that it's any of my business what team you play for. And we're just like, did Jay just get woke in, like, the, like, like in the episodes? Like, no, it'd be like... To, like, he would have, like, suddenly understood LGBTQ issues over the course of, like, a night. Like, it's pretty odd. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we both were like, huh? So, yeah, Jay is suddenly taking this heel turn to the next few lines where, like, JT is very clearly upset. And he says, like, Liberty's having a baby. I don't know what to do. I need money. And um, he's Jay goes, uh-oh, bun in the oven. Yeah, and thanks to these, I'm dead to her. And Jay's like, come on, man, it'll be okay. I, yeah, he, like, tries, and then eventually he's like, JT's like, I've lost everything. And then he's like, he puts on his sunglasses, and he goes, hey, bummer times, at least there's a party. Jay's just like, you know what? 
<laughs> did my best. I said, come on, man. Right, It'll be okay. Right. It was like, I was an okay person for 15 minutes, and that's it. I can only do that, like, once a week. <laughs> Jay's ability to be a decent person is, like, All Might's power to be All Might. <laughs> it's like, oh, bro, I got five minutes. Every day it gets shorter and shorter. Oh, my God. Um, and then, like, literally, like, two seconds later, JT overdoses. Like, it's like very abrupt and honestly even when i was a kid i was i was very confused by th- these scenes you know now that I, as a kid well now that like we now that i've had some time to sit on it the way his line i've lost everything jt sees no way out yes and i understand it talking about it now but man as a kid i was I just had whiplash, I feel like. <laughs> Why is he doing that? <laughs> right. But, but, like, I, I think that, like, I also didn't really understand how Oxy worked yet. Yeah. So, I did not under... Like, I think there were a lot of pieces missing, which also makes me wonder, from the perspective of this this show, I know they kind of explain briefly Oxy, like, very, very briefly, but, like, I didn't fucking get it as a kid. <laughs> And I wonder how many other kids are like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I only take the aspirin. <laughs> right, like, I take a vitamin every day. <laughs> like, I was so confused. Anyway, um, I think also the thing is, is like, I think that there's a difference between going, okay, this is a drug and this is what a drug does if you take it under the right circumstances. And this is what a drug does if you take too much of it in a short span of time. And I think that was the cognitive dissonance that was happening to me as yeah. a child. Now I'm watching as an adult. I have a friend with me. We talk about it for like an hour and a half. I understand what's going on now. But like baby baby Donnie watched this episode many, many times. And each and every time was like, I don't fucking get this. <laughs> You're taking a lot of mentos. <laughs> I wasn't that ignorant. Oh, oh, we talked about how ignorant young Frank was. Right. But like, yeah, I think I, un- I didn't understand why he was doing it and what the purpose of it was. Um, wow is that how baby form (laughs) (laughs) I had very long time understanding how a condom works because my sex ed did not go over how condoms worked until literally like two years afterwards however I was not sexually active at that age so I guess it was a moot point for me but probably not for other people anyway (laughs) I did not understand and I would read fanfic and go I don't really know how this works um anyway Neither here nor there. You roll the thing on the thing. Right. And I would, like, scroll through sex scenes, and I would get very embarrassed. I'd be like, oh, oh, they're fucking, okay. And I would scroll through, so I really did not know. Anyway, so the, we... The, well, the... <laughs> I know. I know Kid... people have to process at one time. No, I'm just going to say, kids, quick tip. If, you, if, you, like, if you're worried about the family computer and, like, being your pornography being found on it, just read fan fiction. No parent is going to read through a 20,000 fucking word fanfiction to try and find your porn. Man, I try not to think about, like, who has read my 8,000 word Fire Emblem pornfic. <laughs> in which there are scenes that include, but are not limited to, the characters having bad sex and then learning how to have good sex. It is, I can't believe I read that shit. <laughs> but, like, literally, like, a couple months ago. <laughs> Oh, God. I can't wait for you to finish up Azure Moon and be like, hey, Frank, <laughs> want to read this? Like, quick slide this thing where there's romantic handies. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. <laughs> so 
Judge Donnie, you're gonna have to be a one hell of a writer to point make any kind of hand job romantic. Because for me, those are the most unromantic things ever in the world. Because <laughs> it's just such a detached kind of method of everything. <laughs> How would you feel about a ship finally getting together after nine years of tension and issues? And then realizing they don't know how to fuck. <laughs> I mean, I'd be fine with that. Like, Because that's the premise. <laughs> fair enough. Um, but like I said, like kids, if you don't want like your parents to be like, what did I find in your computer? Just read fan fiction. Right. That, there's some quality porn fan fiction. There's some bad fanfic too. Yo, there's a, there's more bad fanfic. There's bad. But like like I said, nobody's gonna read through all that shit. That's true. Anyway, <laughs> um, we go back to the school and Hasselakos asks uh, Snake about the bike, and then brings up that like they ev- like eventually she like reveals that like her ex cheated on her with an intern. <laughs> Sounds right. Yeah. Right. Oh. Oof. And, um, eventually she's like, you know, I was gonna ask you for a ride. <laughs> she wasn't even getting paid. Right. But, like, she she does the whole, like, you know, I used to be a wild child type thing. And, like, you know, reveals a side of her that Snake finds, quite frankly, fr- frightening, as this is his boss. Um, which is, like, really funny to me because they were faculty members, like, a year ago. I mean... <sighs> Sorry, teachers of the world. I don't imagine the teachers of any teachers I've had or the teachers I know ever doing anything like hopping bikes and whatnot. You hang out with some very boring teachers. I'm not saying I did that. I'm saying that I know plenty of teachers who do wild shit. Fair enough. I also know a lot of teachers who are punks. So I feel like this is a very different... World that I live in. Sorry, I'm just imagining like when you say like punk teachers, it's just like the big mohawk and whatnot. Oi, oi, oi! We're doing factorials today. <laughs> Look, are you gonna fuck with friend of the show, Cassie? No. Exactly. My point stands. <laughs> no, but I'm like imagining like a Sex Pistols okay. era punk. No, <laughs> with not, the, not with, that with era. the mo- mohawk and whatnot. The Kool Aid dyed mohawk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got tenure, so today we're going to listen to The Clash while I teach you about dividends. That's fine. I would love that. I would maybe pay attention to math. Um, anyway, so, you know, she does the whole, like, I used to be a wild child type thing, and he's like, oh, golly gee, and she's like, you know, I was gonna ask you for a ride if you stole the bike, and I'm like, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. We're not. Yeah, I do like the idea of Miss Hasselhoff like, as a, like, motorcyclist. Uh, yeah, and that's kind of the thing. It's like, if if this show did not suffer from the disease of heterosexuality, this could have been, let's keep the motorcycle piece, but instead have it be an unlikely friendship forming. Yeah. And, like, a connection that is developed. It, I think there's something cool there, because earlier in the episode, she's, like, saying, like, hey, like, you know, referencing a bunch of motorcycle stuff, and he's like, I'm new to it. And, like, how nice would that be for her to reconnect with a hobby with somebody who has never really been in the hobby? Yeah. It would be really sweet. Instead, we get this bullshit, because we have been around the block many a times, and we know a cheating plot when we see the beginnings of it. There are no male-female friendships in Degrassi. No! No! Never! Um, so we go to the ravine, JT's going through it, um, there's a lot of, like, layered, sped up imagery and things like that happening so that you can tell he's not quite emotionally, physically present. 
Um, and the drug dealer kind of tosses him a beer. He catches it. He pours it on himself. Um, and eventually JT collapses and Jay runs toward him, which let's be real is actually character development for Jay as the last time something like that happened. He went, oh, somebody's overdosing, whatever. Let's just keep partying. And like, I can't, I can only imagine just like the, like, cause he keeps yelling, get somebody, get the cops, get the cops. I'm sure everybody else got the fuck out. Just leaving Jay to like take care of JT. Um, and like I'm sure the cops like pulled like rolled up and they're just like again Jay right like really <laughs> we have to stop meeting like this um, but yeah so that that happens then we go to Joey's he's working on a car Snake pulls up and I start screaming because there is a sign right behind Joey's head this is homo milk so I just start chanting homo milk homo milk homo milk and Frank's like what the fuck are you talking about. <laughs> Yeah, which is just for, <laughs> apparently, there's articles about this. It just is homogenized milk, uh, 3.25%. Understandable, but my little gay brain went, homo milk. This is the spotted dick of Canada. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so, so uh, Snake buys the motorcycle and the uh, motorcycle gear. <sighs> Fuck you, Snake. Um... And Joey's super excited for him because he does not realize what is going on. He doesn't know the storm that's happening. He's just happy his friend's letting loose. Yeah. Um, Idiot. <laughs> right. Um, so we go to the hospital. Uh, Liberty meets up with her parents and JT's grandma. Um, and everyone is kind of like frantic, but it's it's like a shaky alliance forming. Yeah. Um. And then JT is in the hospital bed. He makes a joke about the stomach pump. And Liberty is like, you know, why are you making jokes? And he's like, it's not a joke because, I, like, of all the counseling and all, like, all the other stuff that I have to go through now. Um, and Liberty then asks him if he tried to kill himself. Um, and he just kind of starts crying. Yeah. And that was pretty real. Yeah. That, that was probably, that was, that was pretty real. Yeah. I, I think of all, all the mess of this episode, I feel like that was pretty well done. Because sometimes you don't, like, you don't know how, you can't respond to that, except, right. like, you're just like, I didn't... I didn't see a way out. Yeah. There was no way out. I don't, I didn't know what to do. And, and I hate that this piece is kind of tacked on. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like the, the, the plot didn't really nail the emotional component. Yeah. Leading up to this. Because I feel like we see JT getting stressed, but it reads a lot more like stress. It doesn't read like hopelessness. Until the very, very end. He's not desperate. Yes. That's the thing. It doesn't feel like desperation. Yeah. And and that's not to say that that there are the pieces of it there are the pieces of it, but the execution of it doesn't really get into the severity of the situation very well. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, they're really upset about it, and Liberty says, like, they'll go, like, she's going to go to the adoption agency. And and I think that a similar, work with me here, I think the other thing that I struggle with with this episode is it ends up in a very similar spot to the part to the episodes where Craig gets diagnosed as bipolar in the sense of like 
we see someone tipping over the edge, but we don't really see what the recovery looks like. We just kind of have JT being like, no, I know I have to do X, Y, and Z. But we aren't really seeing him do that. And much like with Craig, we see him get diagnosed, but we don't see the journey to being diagnosed. Yeah. And the struggles that come with that. And it, it's a bummer. Yeah. I mean, I do, I think from a practical, like, we, we've had this discussion before, but now mm-hmm. I'm kind of thinking from a practical sense, like, if you do that, then the show just becomes, what is Craig's journey? What is JT's journey? And starts being so much an ensemble show. I don't think that it has to be entirely isolated to that, though. Especially because you do have a way into Craig's interior, like Craig's mental health journey with Ellie and them being in the same group. Yeah. So, like, it's something that I think would take a lot of planning, but I don't think it's impossible. And I also feel like that journey doesn't need to be... And also, like, I feel like it's something where it's a matter of their plots just need to be refocused a little bit. I think that with Craig's, maybe less of the time on the trashing the hotel room and stuff like that, and maybe more on the actual, like, someone saying, oh, yeah, no, you, you're, you like, you know, you got bipolar disorder, and him going, what? Like, what the fuck do you mean? Having that emphasis on different points in the story could also change the journey of the plot itself. Yeah. So, how do you rate this one? Uh, C plus. Hmm. I I'm just I'm, I'm I don't care like about I don't care so much about what's going on in the Nelson Simpson household. Like, and it's just not interesting to me. Like. Mm-hmm. You know, like, having, like, the whole thing with Emma and Peter and whatnot, I just don't care. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I'm just going to give it a C+. Uh, In regards to character rankings, um, Emma's going down, Peter will never rise, Manny... And Manny and Craig, you know what? They're making it work for once, and mm-hmm. it seems fairly healthy, if not annoying. So they can bump up a little bit. Glad to see Paige back in her supporting character role. She can bump up a little bit. Um, Snake is going down. Spike is coming up because she's like, I'm not going to deal with your fucking bullshit. Miss Hasselako's motorcycle rider can bump up a few. <laughs> Miss Hasselako's common rider. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I feel like there's so many people. JT for trying his best, mm-hmm. even if he fucked up at the end. Like, and I'm not talking about the suicide attempt. I'm talking about the drug dealing. Mm-hmm. Like, good for him. Jay is not is going down a little bit more for being like, here's a good idea, mm-hmm. but for also like not just abandoning JT to die alone in, a, in next to the ravine. Um, so, you know, the, you weren't as much of a jerk as you could have been award. Right. Uh, Joey, just for living that good life, like... He's living a good life! Yeah. Um, he has his shit together. Shockingly. (laughs) Yeah. So he's bumping up a few spots. Um, is that it? Yeah. It's, like, not that big of a Oh, no, cat. Liberty Liberty's rising up for finally yeah. just being like, fuck you, JT. Right. Um, 
Did you mention Toby? Toby for standing up to JT is bumping up. Mm-hmm. Um, Mrs. Uh, JT's grandmother is on the rise for being like, you kids are just very confused about what's going on. Mm-hmm. So are the Van Zants, and especially when they came together to help him at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you know what? Like, you know, I'm actually I'm gonna bump up this episode with B minus because mm-hmm. for once we saw a te- like one of the boys fuck up his life. That's a good point. Not one of the girls. You're right. You're right. You know. So you when know you put what? it that way. So yeah, it can go up a level. Okay. Um, so yeah, so that's it for this episode. And as we said in the middle of the episode, who gets to say fuck? Toby and yep. Mrs. Cooney. Yeah. Both of these are true. Recommendations. Recommendations. So, my recommendation is a little tepid. Um, I rediscovered Neko Case's album, Middle Cyclone, specifically This Tornado Loves You, which is a wonderful, wonderful song that makes me think of Fire Emblem characters. But it's also a very good song um, about the intensity of what may be perceived as romantic feelings. And there's some really good imagery in the song, especially... um, and I just really, really, really dig it, and I've been listening to it literally like in rapid succession, which is a really good way to break it up from a uh, when I when my I feel bad for the guy who lives upstairs because now I look to listen to this song on repeat, which has to be a step up from when I kept listening to Beautiful Ghosts from Cats on repeat. <laughs> from the 2019 Cats. <laughs> oh yes, the one that was like the song that was slopped together by Taylor Swift and uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber because <laughs> it makes you think of a, a fire. Um, so, give that album a listen, give Neko Case a listen, that's what I got. Um, I'm going to recommend the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. You know what? It's a pretty fun time. It was a fun time, it's a oddly affecting meditation on loneliness, Mm -hmm. um, just like the movie Punch Drunk Love. Um, Frank was like waiting to make this joke today. Like you could feel the energy of him just being like, "I want to make this reference." Actually, I really like Punch Drunk Love. I think it's a very good movie. So I recommend both those. Sounds good. Um, hey, Frank, you made it through. Oh God, this one was hard. Yeah. Um. So real quick, quick. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at ihopepod at gmail I saw someone had left some statements uh, about some past episodes. Um, my apologies, I had missed them initially. I have not sat down to prepare us to read them, but please know if you e- that the person who emailed them to us, I definitely saw them. Um, so we will take, we will address them in a later episode. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, please don't hesitate to send them to us. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at IHopePod. Um, and you can also join our Facebook group at I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast. Frank is going to be more attentive on the Facebook right now, not to get too real on Maine, but, um, I've had people try to contact me on Facebook. I would rather not have talked to me. So, I'm kind of hiding out from that avenue of social media. But, what you can do is definitely follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, and at least one of us will see it. Um, if you would like to support our show, there's two ways you can do it. You can donate to our coffee account. Or you can also leave a rating and or review. We have some fun gifts to give back to you once we hit certain tiers. So please make sure that you do so. And thank you everybody who already has. We really appreciate it. Um, If you want to get in touch with me, the best way you can do that is follow me on Twitter at DM is Unbreakable. 
Um, I post a lot about Fire Emblem and a lot of headcanons and fix stuff relating to that, but I also talk about Degrassi a little bit. I talk about whatever I'm watching at the time, um, and I will answer any questions or thoughts. Feel free to message me about them because I also just enjoy talking about whatever. Um, as a promotion, um, we have applications opened up on a zine that I am an editor of. It is called Cherished, which is all about to uh, do and Dimitri from Fire Emblem Three Houses. Um, we're really excited about this project because it is raising money for NAMI, so it's going back to help support mental illness-related uh, resources. Um, so it's a topic that I'm very passionate about that also directly relates to the characters and their struggles. Um, so please consider applying. We have it open for art and for fic. I'm one of the editors for fic, naturally. Um, so if you want to get involved in this project, all of my information is on my Twitter, but you can also check out the Twitter account for it called at CherishedZine on Twitter, um, where you can find out information and application information and stuff, and feel free to message me if you have any questions relating to it. Um, I have another podcast called Teen Girl Talk. Um, I don't know what we're doing this week. This is another episode we're recording in the future. Uh, I think we're doing the movie Buffaloed this week. It's where Zoe Deutsch is just a collection agent and it's just going buck wild. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, uh, I also have uh, Twitter that I occasionally post things to um, about trash robots. And um, this week I'll probably, I've hopefully posted some episodes of a Let's Play I'm going to be doing of Chrono Trigger. Um, so feel free to check that out. The link is in the description. Um, yeah, so that's about it for me. Awesome. So that being said, everybody, we hope we keep making it through. Although it's going it's to get rougher and rougher with Peter around. Ugh. We hope you're going to be able to stick with it with us. See you next week. Later. Bye. You're Take me for all I am worth Better all